0: This past week on my day off, which is typically Friday, I devoted the day to a project of such soul-satisfying, life-affirming significance that I wanted to share it with you this morning. I cleaned out the garage at home. Now, you can laugh if you want to, but I'm just telling you, there is nothing like a clean and orderly garage. Would somebody help me preach? I'm just, I'm just putting that out there. I, I, it made me so happy. And before you think that I'm bragging on myself, because I'm not... This project was about six to eight months overdue. This was a monster mountain of just chaos and stuff that had accumulated. We had acquired over not just months, but years. And so when I started the process, I kind of started going, well, I, I, I think we may use this particular tool or implement or something sometime in the future. There were some other things. I was like, oh, I remember when Joseph was little and he had this. And finally, I said, enough. And I implemented a brutal criterion for whether or not it was going to stay or go. And I created three different piles. The first pile was the throwaway pile. That, that was the stuff that was just going away. It was going to the dumpster. I love the throwaway pile. The middle pile was the giveaway pile. These were things that were still usable and, and some people might be able to use, but we hadn't used them in who knows how long. And so we're going to give away these things. But then there were some things That I wanted to keep and we're going to use and I know that we'll use them and they're still still have some value to us day in and day out or at least maybe week in and week out and so they went in the keeper pile and my, my daughter Emily was only too happy to share with me that that's the exact same process they use on the television show hoarders but anyway I digress and so I went through this process And by the end of the day, I mean, I was dripping with sweat. There there was so much stuff in the throwaway pile. There was a little bit less stuff in the giveaway pile. And the keeper pile was so, so small. And I was just like, y'all, I don't want to shock anybody. But I believe that if the good Lord's willing and the creek don't rise, by the end of next week, we will be able to actually, actually park a car in the garage that 's that's how, that's how significant that was. I want to thank that godly man who started the applause right there. You know you feel me, you know what I 'm talking about on this deal, but, but I realized that my, my little my little garage clean out project actually is a perfect picture for us as we wrap up this series called Poker Face. Now, if you're you're new around here, we started this series a few weeks ago with the the baseline presupposition, if you will, that in order to live in a relationship with Christ, or rather, because of a relationship with Christ, which is the the foundation of the whole Christian thing, the good news gospel, the result of a Christian walk with God is that Christ followers should have a poker face that not necessarily kind of a a stone-faced stoicism, but rather a constant expression, constant expression of peace, a constant expression of of joy, a constant expression of integrity, or what we kind of labeled wholeheartedness in every single part of our lives, that this relationship with Christ should permeate every nook and cranny of our lives. And as such, our lives should reflect it, that we should express that in everything that we do no matter the circumstances no matter what happens and we use for kind of our anchor verse for this whole series a passage of scripture that goes all the way back to the old testament in proverbs chapter number three if you've got your bibles either on your phone or maybe you go old school and you've got a book bible i want you to go to proverbs chapter three and i'm going to read this kind of foundational verse that we've used throughout this series and i want you to read the highlighted words with me if you will with passion and enthusiasm. Check this out. The Bible says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Just for a second, time out. That was terrible. I love you too much. You, let's, let's, come on, let it go. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your paths straight. In all Trust in God with all your heart. Lean not on your own, in all your ways. This is kind of the, the poker equivalent of God saying, go all in. In a relationship with Christ, push all your chips to the middle of the table and go all in. Now, I have to tell you, I'm not a big poker guy, I'm not opposed to it. I don't pick at poker games. But that's just never been my bag. But I do know this. In a poker game when a player goes all in, he puts or she puts all her chips to the middle of the table, that is a moment of high, high drama. Because when she does that or he does that, what they're saying is, I'm all in with the cards I've been dealt. I will play this hand. And this is ultimately The call of God on all of our lives. For anyone who would follow Christ, it is the call to go all in. So I want you right now, look at the person sitting next to you with passion and enthusiasm. Tell them, go all in. in. Now, turn to the other person who's your second choice and tell them, "Go go all in. This is the perfect full circle fulfillment of this series, this conversation that we've been in over the last few weeks. And when we talk about going all in with God, I think that we could all agree to the fact that we, over time, we we accumulate and we acquire thoughts and sometimes behaviors and actions and habits that probably we would be well served to put into the throwaway pile, the giveaway pile, or the keeper pile. For example, in in the throwaway pile, a lot of times we can have thoughts and ideas in our minds that really do us a major disservice. They're the things that don't help us. They don't help anybody else. And they would be best serve to just be thrown away. Take them to the dumpster of our minds. I, I told you a few weeks ago that Julie and I had the opportunity to visit a phenomenal church in Las Vegas, Nevada. Judd Wilhite and his wife, Lori, are good friends of ours. And Judd pastors Central Christian Church there in Las Vegas. And it was an incredible visit. We learned so much about how they operate and what they do is a fascinating, just a very, very encouraging trip. They're they're incredible people. We love being around. But in order to go visit their church, we had to fly into McCarran International Airport. And I don't know how many of you have ever been to Vegas. Don't raise your hands. But if you've ever been through there, you know that walking through the Vegas airport is a challenge spiritually. I mean, there, I'm walking through with my lovely wife, Julie, scantily clad, men on the billboards in the you know all these Aussies and all that I can't even get into it right now but it's amazing to me the junk I'm going to use the word junk the stuff that that is just passes for normal in Vegas and and I think honestly a a lot of that stuff would be best served in the throwaway pile I, I just think when it's all said and done it really doesn't help anybody i'm going to come back to that in just a second but in the in the in the giveaway pile how many of you are golfers let me see a show of hands if you're a golfer Okay, now don't th- i'm not coming after you i'm not i'm telling you a story from my life when i was a young young husband i took up the game of golf i thought man i'd love to learn how to play the game of golf i'm left-handed whoosh, or as my grandfather used to say wrong-handed and I started playing golf. I was in seminary at the time, and there was a driving range on my way home from seminary. And 4 o'clock, 5 o'clock in the afternoon, I, I could stop there, hit a lot of balls for a very little bit of money, and everything was cool. And, and I kind of got to where I, you know, I'd hit about one good shot out of, I don't know, 1,000. And it would be just enough to keep you coming back for more. And I, I kind of got into it. I started playing with some buddies of mine and friends in the Dallas-Fort Worth area where we were living. And ironically, and interestingly, about nine months after I picked up the game of golf, Julie took me to dinner one night. She took me to dinner at Romano's Macaroni Grill, and we were sitting there eating our French bread and the olive oil and salt and pepper and chatting, and she reached down into her purse and pulled out a coffee mug out of her purse and set it on the table with a great flourish. And I looked at the coffee mug and flipped it around, and it said, real dads do diapers. I was like, who's this for? (laughs) That was her clever way of telling me we were expecting our first child. Emily was on the way. We didn't know her at the time, but that was how Julie told me. And I realized very, very soon thereafter, after Emily was born, I had taken on a new role and assignment at the church where we were serving, and Emily had come home from the hospital, and I realized I no longer had the luxury of the time it takes to play golf on a regular basis and if you don't play golf on a regular basis you really shouldn't play golf at all and when I did play golf it would typically hurt my witness or my credibility with other people and so some of you'll get that on the way home but my golf clubs at that time in my life golf is great as far as it goes but for me and my house the golf clubs went in the giveaway pile they were fine as they were but they weren't helping me do what God needed me to be doing, wanted me to be doing at that time. But then there are those things that we need to keep, those things that we need to hang on to. I realized early on that in order to be a good husband, a good dad, a a pastor that God wanted to use and to devote myself to the work and what he had called me to do with my life, there were only a few things that I could really do well. And so a lot of things had to go in the giveaway pile, but There were some things I was not letting go. As far as being Julie's husband, I'm the only cat in the world I want doing that job. So that was a keeper. That that was something we were going to hang on to. As far as my relationship with God, I was going to hold on to that. When you think about your thoughts, when you think about your actions that you will throw away, give away, or keep, the great news is you don't have to figure it out on your own. Throughout this series, we've been in Philippians chapter 4 in just a very small passage of Scripture, but I think within that small passage over the last few weeks, we've seen over and over and over again how powerful the Word of God is, how just a very small section of Scripture can radically alter the trajectory of our lives. And I want you to look in Philippians chapter number 4. As you're looking up Philippians 4, let me remind you just as context that Philippians Philippians was a letter originally written by the Apostle Paul, inspired by the Holy Spirit of God to the church at Philippi. Philippi was a strategic crossroads in Greece, and most biblical scholars believe that Philippi was actually the first foothold into Europe for the gospel, that, that the church that Paul helped to establish there in Philippi was the first place in Europe that the gospel took hold after it had radiated out of Jerusalem Judea Samaria as it went into the ends of the earth and continues even today and so Paul's writing to this fledgling church in Philippi helping them to understand the gospel the good news of Jesus and what it is and how it plays out day in and day out and in Philippians chapter 4 you can you can feel his, his care and his love for these, his spiritual children there in Philippi. Look at what he says. And again, I want you to read the highlighted words with me. Look at this. He says in Philippians 4.8, And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Check this out. Read it. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable, right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of of praise. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. That phrase to fix your thoughts, that that means everybody do this. Everybody get your hands up like this just for a brief second, please. Hands up like this. Now do this. That is fixing your hands together. This is what Paul is talking about. He's saying fix your thoughts. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right what is pure and lovely and admirable, what is excellent and praiseworthy. Fix your thoughts on those things and don't let go. Those are the things that we concentrate on. And the idea of our minds and what we think about is one of those things that Paul returns to over and over and over again. Not just in his letter to the Philippians. But in his letter to the Corinthians, as he writes to the young pastor, Timothy, over and over again, Paul says it's in our minds, it's in our minds that the game will be won or lost because Paul, who was inspired by God, understood that what we think, we then do. And what we do, we become. So he says if you can get your mind right, then your actions will follow and your character will be shaped out of your actions, but it starts in the mind. I want you to take out your outlines that you got when you came in, and I just very quickly want to go through that list because I think it's so important. I want to give you some words to kind of filter your thoughts through because how many of us know that our brains can play tricks on us? We, we can, I mean, our brains can go to some crazy places sometimes. I didn't really understand the full extent of this until I got married. Julie told me after we had been married for about 10 or 12 years that we had had some incredible arguments that I wasn't even in the room for. (laughs) Now, I got to tell you, as a husband, that's pretty disconcerting. Now, ladies, how many of you know what Julie was talking about? This is an honesty moment in church. You can raise your hand. She told me a lot of times, she would have these disagreements with me where she would think about bringing something up and then anticipate how I would respond and get mad at how she thought I would respond and i would never had the opportunity to mess up I was, I was like well how many times did this happen and she said don't worry about it like a couple hundred it's not that big a deal but what Julie was describing she did from time to time is something we've all done we, we create things in our minds many times that aren't even real. And then we react to what we have created. And so I think it's important as we think about fixing our thoughts on things that are true and honorable and right. What, what do we mean when we say fix our thoughts on something that's true? If it's true, that means it's real. Truth is real. And the final, the first and final arbiter of truth is not me. It's, it's not even you. God, who created reality, gets to determine what's real and what's false. And it's important for us to get our minds around this fact that there is a reality. There is a, a truth that is truth, regardless of what we think or what we feel from time to time, because our feelings can be deceptive. The Bible says the human heart is above all else deceptive. Our hearts can, can mess with us. Our minds and our emotions can mess with us. So we go to scripture, we go to what God says biblically to understand what is true, what is real. When it says fix our thoughts on what is honorable, if something is honorable, it is worthy of praise. You, you, can, you can lift this thing up and say, man, that is awesome. God is awesome. It is honorable. It is honorable. This is what we talk about when we talk about honoring our parents. doesn't mean that our parents are always perfect. But it means that we honor them. We, we exalt them. We lift them up and respect the position that God has entrusted to them. And we honor them. They're, they're worthy of praise. When we talk about something being right, that means that it's, it's accurate or it's correct. It's accurate or it's correct. We, we don't tell our kids, you know what? If you want to believe that 2 plus 2 equals 5, you just go ahead. Here's a ribbon, pumpkin. We we teach our kids what is accurate, what what is right, what, what is correct. I remember when Emily was very, very young and she was beginning to kind of figure out the reading thing. She asked Julie one day, she said, Mommy, what is this word? And Julie, being the consummate first grade teacher that she is, she said, well, Emily, what do you think it means? Sound it out. And Emily looked at the word really hard, and, and she said, I think it means dill. And Julie said, that was so close. But that's a letter B, and a B is a buh, buh, buh. That means it's bill. And Emily looked at it for just a second more, and she said, huh, I'm going to call that dill. <laughs> to which Julie looked at me and said, and that is why we will never homeschool. <laughs> now, it's funny when a three-year-old misreads a word, but it's less funny when we begin to live our lives as though something is accurate or correct, and it's not. That's a whole different ballgame. So we, we fix our thoughts on the things that are right. We fix our, th- our thoughts on the things that are pure. If something is pure, that means that it is uncorrupted. It's uncorrupted. It is as God intended it. I think that's one of the reasons that we're drawn toward maybe snow-capped mountains. Or if you've ever seen like a a meadow of snow that nobody's ever walked in, or or a a sandy beach that has no footsteps or umbrellas in it, you're kind of like, whoa, this this is like uncorrupted, untainted land. Nobody's ever been here before in the history of the world. We, we think about those things that are pure, and we fix our thoughts on those things. Things that are lovely, things that are beautiful. Beauty is, to be sure, in some degree, in the eye of the beholder, but there are some things that just flat out are beautiful. And we we fix our thoughts on those things. I think about music. I'm a music guy. I'm not a great singer or a great musician, but I love music. And I, I can even, like there are times when I can listen to opera. Like I, I can hear Luciano Pavarotti. And, and I... I'm like dude he can blow dog but I don't have any Pavarotti on my phone or on my iPod I don't I don't do that but I can I can appreciate the beauty of the art necessary and required to do what he does there there are paintings that I look at I'm like how did he do that how does that happen songwriters fascinated by what people do with words there's certain things that are beauty that are that are just lovely. That we, those are the things we ought to concentrate on, things that are admirable. If something's admirable, that means that it's worthy of imitation. You, you it's worthy to be imitated. I admire you. That means I want to, I want to emulate that. I want to copy that in my life. I don't want to be you, but I want to, I want to do something that you did, like you did it, and it's admirable. And then excellent. Excellent means extraordinary. Excellent just means way above the norm and what passes for standard or par. Those things that are excellent. Those are the things that we think about. Those are the things that we fix our thoughts on. And as I prepared and I I prayed over this message and I was kind of driving through this passage of Scripture I had to kind of ask myself the question what's on your Kindle that you're reading? What's on your phone right now? What's what's on your DVR that that you're going to watch? What are are the shows that you watch religiously that you don't miss and and you go to? Do they stand up to this test of what God says we're supposed to fix our thoughts on? And and to be totally candid with you, there, there are some things that I need to look at and go, you know what, that needs to go in the throwaway pile there there's some other things that may not be necessarily bad per se inherently evil but they're not really helping and so I'm going to put those in the in the giveaway pile of my life and then there's some other things and they're just awesome I'm I'm hanging on to those things tooth and nail those are the those are the keepers And, and what you notice is as you start to throw away stuff and give away stuff you you free up bandwidth spiritually you free up bandwidth psychologically, mentally, and, and emotionally to, to really focus on the stuff that really, really matters. But it's not just in what we think about. See, it's, it's what we think about as it informs what we are about, what we, what we do and what we go and do with what we think about. And Paul gets at this, as I said, throughout all of his writings. But look at 1 Corinthians chapter 3. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, Paul introduces a concept that I, I think is so important that we've got to own it and, and metabolize it so that we can use it, so that we can put it into practice. Check this out. 1 Corinthians 3, verse 11. He says, no one can lay any foundation other than the one we already have, Jesus Christ. So this is important. This is, he says, whatever you want to think about, whatever you want to do, remember the bottom line. Remember the foundation to everything that we're about is Jesus. It's Jesus. The foundation is not going to church. The foundation is not being a good guy or a good girl. The foundation is not paying your taxes and not kicking the dog. The foundation, the foundation to everything is Jesus. He is what this is all about. Make no mistake about it. Jesus is our foundation, but check this out. Verse 12, and again, I want you to read the highlighted words because we're going somewhere with this. Anyone who builds on that foundation may use a variety of materials, gold, silver, jewels, wood, hay, or straw. Time out. I want you to hold that thought for just a second. Jesus is the foundation. What we do with our lives and in our lives is what we build on top of that foundation And you can use a lot of different things to build on that foundation. Now, I told you, I got to clean out my garage. It made me very happy. And there were a lot of things that got thrown away. There were some more things that were given away. But while I was cleaning out the garage, I came across this box. And I I looked at it, I was like, man, that thing's not even open yet. still tape on it. And I spun it over and i noticed that god had blessed me with an unopened box of fireworks <laughs> and i was so happy i have to admit to you i love me some fireworks like i love to make things go boom and make fire that to me is about as good as it gets just just personally i love it and, and so when i saw the the fireworks the king of texas texas size texas quality i was like Lord, thank you so much. And next week's the 4th of July. It was so exciting to me. And then I remembered that the fireworks are exactly what we're talking about right here. When we talk about going all in, yes, we talk about what we think about, but it's also what we do. And so we've got this constant God-given friction. That's a good thing. This tension that the Christian life is always living within, the the book of James calls it between faith and works. And he says, you know, that faith with no works is dead. It, It might as well just have been born DOA, not even there. But when you combine real faith in Christ with real works, that is where everything begins to make sense. Now let's go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. We build on the foundation gold, silver, jewels, wood, hay or straw, verse 13. But, everybody say but. but. Okay, now I want you to read the highlighted words with me. Watch this. But on the judgment day, fire will reveal what kind of work each builder has done. The fire will show if a person's work has any value. Fire works. Fireworks. You've got fireworks. I've got fireworks. We've all got fireworks. Whatever you do, whatever I do in this world, will be judged. Don't miss that. that. That's that's the classic get out of jail free card, isn't it? When you, whenever somebody confronts you or holds you accountable, hey, don't judge, man. Don't judge, man. You know what I hear most of the time when somebody says, don't judge. What they're really saying is, leave me alone. Let me do what I feel like doing. You, oh, it got quiet in here, didn't it? Woo! We don't judge each other. God absolutely judges us. He will judge our works. He will judge what we actually do for his purposes in this world and it will either show itself to be of precious gold and silver that stands up in the fire or wood hay and stubble which is consumed and burned up fireworks and so just real quickly i want to give you four fireworks to keep in mind just this week and as you go through your days think about think about degrees of fireworks the first firework that any of us ever got to do when we were wee little children is of course the sparkler remember the first time you ever held a sparkler in your hand and, and your mom or your dad said okay be very careful hold it away from you I'm gonna light it now and it's gonna be really really bright and they'd they'd bring the punk to it you know you know the punk that you get at the firework stands ah <laughs> ah <sighs> It was like you had invented fire the first time you held a sparkler in your hand. And it was awesome. And it, and it and maybe wasn't quite as awesome if one of those little burning embers landed on your arm or something, but it was pretty cool as long as that didn't happen. And, and there's a, oh, oh, unbelievable. Oh, sparklers. But here's the thing about a sparkler a sparkler doesn't last very long. A sparkler goes about 15 or 20 seconds, maybe. I know they make bigger ones, but stay with me on this point. They're temporarily bright, and then they flame out. And when the sparkler flames out, it's kind of like, oh, it's just a little charred stick in your hand. But if you get a little older, you graduate up from the sparkler, and you move on to the black cat. How many of you remember black cats? Man, first time you ever made something go boom. Boom. Boom! And you probably lit one black cat on the ground. You go, psst, psst, mom, can I have some eggs? I mean, you you you, you want to blow something up with a black cat, right? But here's how I would describe a black cat: full of sound and fury, signifying nothing. A black cat makes a big noise, but it doesn't really do anything. And a lot of us get to that place spiritually fairly early on in our spiritual journey. It's what we refer to as spiritual adolescence. It's where you know just enough doctrine to be dangerous. You know just enough Christian ease. And and maybe you go to church and you kind of, at least spiritually, spiritually and emotionally, you sit there with your arms crossed tapping your foot, making sure that the preacher's going to stay on track and not do anything heretical or say anything unbiblical, and you are the self-appointed watchdog for doctrinal purity in your church. And if, by chance, the preacher or the worship team says something that doesn't totally line up with what you believe Scripture to say— Bam! Boy, we're going home to a dinner of roast preacher that day. We're going to have us a time. I'm writing an email as soon as I get, you know, and on and on it goes. Full of sound and fury signifying nothing. But thankfully, most of us, and I have to admit to you, I went through that phase. I went through, most of us go through that emotionally anyway. I remember when I was 18, 19 years old, here's what's interesting. Just personally, when I was 19, I knew everything. I knew everything. I did. My mom and dad, man, bless their souls. They tried hard, but I knew how the world operated. I knew how it went down. But then I got a little bit older. Then I matured a little bit more, and I discovered that there was more to discover. And as I discovered more to discover, I learned that I didn't know what I thought I knew. And, and I kind of I came back off of that I know everything mentality. And I think a lot of times we do the same thing spiritually. And in that case, we move from black cat spirituality to bottle rocket spirituality. How many people love on a bottle rocket? The bottle rocket is a great image. The best way to shoot a bottle rocket is into a lake of water. When it blows up underwater, that's awesomeness. That, that's just a little fireworks tip that's free of charge for you this morning. But here's the thing about a bottle rocket. It's much better than a black hat. A bottle rocket takes off. Man, it, it'll, it'll travel. It's, got, it's, it's like fireworks artillery. It's, it's going places. But, you know, a bottle rocket ultimately will just kind of fly out and then flame out. And there's, there's just not a lot of there, there with a bottle rocket but the big kahuna, the, the fireworks grande that I think we all aspire to in our fireworks career is the Roman candle. The Roman candle, baby. When you start lighting a Roman candle, you are serious about your fireworks because a Roman candle lights up the night. A Roman candle keeps on firing Different colors, different designs in the night sky. The Roman candle is what we're called to be as Christ followers. We're called to light up the night. We're called to light up a dark world. We're called and created by God himself for our good works to light up this world. And I didn't make that up because I thought of fireworks. I made it up because I heard Jesus say it in Matthew chapter 5. Look at what Jesus says. Matthew chapter 5, verse 6, he says, In the same way, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. So that when people see our good works and they see a Roman candle, they're like, Dude, when you didn't get that deal at work, you, you responded differently than I would have. Or I, I saw that, that mom at Chick-fil-A with her, her three-year-old having a complete meltdown tantrum, and 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 I would I would have left that child, but but she responded patiently and and helped get the child flailing out the door and into the car. Or, or maybe you've kind of I've noticed you, you don't date losers. I, I've just noticed that you you kind of are are serious about who you date and won't date and. And you're willing to, to do without in order to do well. And, and so tell me, tell me about that. And it's not about us. It's not because we've arrived or because we're perfect. We let our good deeds shine before people so that they will praise God in heaven. We let our good deeds do the talking for us. And when they ask about it, say, listen, it ain't because of anything I did. It's because of what Jesus has done in me. It's because of what I've gotten to experience and what I've realized in this relationship after I went all in. It's about going all in and not playing at it anymore. And that is what Poker Face has been all about. The the whole series, the whole conversation has been a call to go all in. No matter where you are spiritually, to not settle for where you are right now but to take the the next step you may be already a christ follower and you've said you know what i want that peace that passes understanding i want the joy of the lord to be my strength i'm I'm gonna have a constant expression of faith of joy of peace and i'm gonna i'm gonna live in integrity and wholeheartedness Maybe you're, you're here and you haven't stepped into that relationship with Christ. You haven't stepped over the line of faith and said, I will believe, I choose to follow Jesus from this moment forward. What better time than right now? They're just Right now, right where you're sitting, you don't have to pass a test. You don't have to attend church for a certain number of Sundays out of a given month or year. You just have to be willing to go all in. You just have to be willing to say, I will submit all my ways to the Lord. I will trust in God with all my heart. I want to ask you to bow your heads for just a moment. And in this moment, if you've never stepped into that relationship with Jesus, we want to invite you to do it right now. As God leads, you just pray a prayer of commitment, just Silently talk to God and just say something like this in your own words. Just say, Jesus, I need you. I give you my life. I will trust in you with all my heart. I confess my sin. I claim your forgiveness. And I will follow you with everything I've got from this moment forward. In Jesus' name. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed for just a moment, if that was your prayer, this is the greatest moment of your life. Everything else will play for second place. But this is where you begin to walk in a relationship with God. This is where we as a church offer ourselves to help to come alongside and so if you just prayed to begin a relationship with Jesus you gave your life to Christ I want to ask you to do just a couple of things so that we can help number one before you leave today fill out that connection card it's in the program that you got when you came in and just fill it out and name and, and, and a way that we can contact you so that When we see that you've indicated that I'm committing my life to Christ this week, we can just help you grow in this relationship. We can be a family of faith to you. We're not a perfect family, but we're a family. We're offering ourselves to you, and we want to begin that process. And then second, before you leave today, hand that card to one of our ushers. Stop at the blue tent out underneath the big front door that you came in just hand that just briefly just hand it to somebody wearing a blue Lake Hills Church shirt and just say today's my day and I want to ask you as our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed in this sacred moment if you would if that was your prayer would you just raise your hand just raise your hand up high over your head for a moment and as you do that you're stamping this moment in your life saying hey this is real June 26, 2016 I made this commitment once and for all, it's forever and then second of all you stamp it into the life of this church there's nothing more important to us than this moment in your life and others like it and so as you're Church family, we celebrate that with you as you put your hands down. We put our hands together and we tell you, Welcome home. Welcome home.